Hello, everybody. This is Roy, and you know me from uh, the show the ho that's hosted here, Colts and Catacombs. Um, I am here actually starting off, I guess you could say it, it technically might be a spinoff on this or not, but it is its own idea. I welcome you to the Homos of Horror, um, and joining me is my old friend Mike. Hey, Roy, how you doing? Pretty good. A uh, little history about us. Mike used to be a co-host on a, a podcast we did. Um, you've heard me mention it once on Cults and the Catacombs called Sassy Cast. And like me, he is a scare bear, um, huge horror fan. And um, one day he came up to me with this idea. What was that idea, Mike? Well, I really wanted to go, since we're at the close of the decade, I wanted to go year by year in this very important decade of horror. I think when... We look back, the 2010s will be just as important as the 70s and 80s, mm -hmm. um, and definitely an improvement upon the 90s and the 2010s. I think the 2010s are when horror found legitimacy and more mass appeal than, and respect than we had been given before. I don't know if you agree with that, Roy. I would say in the first de the first half of the decade in the, in the 2000s was yeah. – and um, and then as a group, and we'll find out shortly. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. But then as we started getting close to 2008 and 2009, it started finding its footing again. And then as we reached into the 2010s, yeah, I haven't seen uh, this much outside of the box originality thinking since the 70s and 80s when it comes to horror. So it's definitely worth looking back as there's some titles that are like God that came out this decade, and you know and. Um, definitely worth viewing. So when you told me the idea, I was like, yeah, I'm all for this. I, I would love revisiting these films. Yeah, I, I think this decade is when we had fans of the genre start taking control of the genre mm -hmm. uh, and not just anyone out for cash grabs. And you see people who are telling stories through the lens of horror. Um, and some of these movies are very divisive, but memorable and everyone kind of knows who they are regardless so it's gonna be interesting going year by year and seeing how uh we got from 2010 to 2019 where some of the biggest money makers are horror movies now like halloween was last year how it is this year mm -hmm. um well i mean, I mean what did you think that some of the biggest money makers would be horror movies starring michael myers after oh, you know no. resurrection I, well who knew yeah <laughs> Well, I mean, well, this decade we had you know film filmmakers who came forward, and I mean they came they kind of started coming out in the late two thousands, but they really came out in this decade, who grew up on films directed by like John Carpenter and Wes Craven and Dario Argento and Stephen King, Stephen King, and you know all these all all the horror greats. So they were inspired by them, and they're kind of picking up the mantle that all of these great horror directors have left behind. And are basically doing what they did with films, only now in their own ways. And I, one of the biggest trends of the 2000s was a lot of horror, unnecessary horror remakes. And yeah. I mean, even this year alone, I the, the Child's Play remake surprised me. This was a film that I thought wouldn't work, but it worked for me. So even yeah. in some cases, some of the you know the the remakes that are happening right now are actually not that bad. Um, com compared to stuff, com compared to stuff like decade. the remake of Prom Night or the remake of The Fog, yeah, it's yeah. just I uh, cringe thinking about it. 
I mean, when I think about the 2000s, we were talking about this the other day, it seemed like there was just nothing. Um, I'm sure it's not as bad as I remember. There's a lot of Saw. Let's just say but, that. Well, you know, and I'm not going to, you know, the torture porn genre definitely came in, but I'll always defend Saw 1 and 2 to, you know, the grave. But um, Americans kind of got where it was this torture porn stuff or remakes galore, mm-hmm. starting with what, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which yeah. was you know, pretty better than everyone expected. And then we got a lot of worse than we expected. Yeah. But prom we, I got to remember, excuse me, prom night, prom night. Um, I think foreign outside the U S it was a remarkable decade for horror audition wreck. Um, dump orders inside 28 days later, dump dumpling. Exactly. Yeah. People were, you know, the rest of the filmmakers around the world were bringing it, and we were busy making their remakes. Mm-hmm. PG Even th- to this day, P- PG thirteen horror was the main focus. It was let's take this horror yeah. film and make it PG thirteen. And the yeah. thing is, is you can make a really good horror film not rated R. Case in point, the uh, the original Poltergeist. Yes. Um, I mean, but in that decade, we even got the remake of Poltergeist, and it was meh. It was cold burger. It was cold boogers on a plate. I mean, and it just and that was PG thirteen. So I mean, it's if it's done right, mm-hmm. then it can work. And I mean, Sam Raimi, I guess technically did that in the two thousands with Drag Me to Hell because he yeah that was his mission with that movie was to show you can successfully make a PG thirteen movie scary. Here's how. And if you look at 2009, it was an interest. I wish we were talking about 2009 a little bit more than maybe 2011. It's, we'll see. 2009 <laughs> had some amazing movies in it. Uh, the Orphan, The Collector, Drag Me to Hell, House of the Devil, Jennifer's Body. Mm-hmm. Um, Poughkeepsie and Tapes. Co- um, and, of, and of course, Sam made his appearance finally after two years of teasing Trick or Treat. Yeah. Finally made its way to home video. And I really feel the horror community rallied around that movie in a great way. Well, I mean, there was a lot of merchandise this year that came out to the Halloween stores to celebrate the 10th anniversary of yeah. Trick or Treat. And it flew off the yeah. shelves. I mean, Sam ten, Sam ten, was huge. And he still ten, is. Ten, Sam is now the face of Halloween at Spirit Halloween, at least. Yeah. <laughs> and that makes me happy. And by the way, I have a, as you know, I got my Sam tattoo this year so mm. happy 10 year anniversary sam yep well technically 12 since it was made in 2017 but it never yes. it never got to see the light of day from warner brothers until 2019 and i think that's where 2007 or 2007 yeah <laughs> um, 2007 2009 i'm sorry and i think that's where horror really began its resurgence in america because trick-or-treat by all accounts with the way mm-hmm. warner brothers treated it should technically be considered a forgotten film but when it was released on home video it blew up and Mm -hmm. to the point where it just people couldn't get enough of it i mean i've never seen a film garner a cult following so fast in my entire life than this film and teased for so long i remember wishing i had seen it and this was some movie. This was, you know, this is 10 years ago, you know, 12, 12 years ago, 2007 is when I started hearing about it. Mm-hmm. And you just had to wonder, like, when are they ever going to give this a time of day? And now Warner Brothers is trotting out 
Did they do it? They did it, yeah. You know, and that's their big moneymaker for the year. So that's how much things have changed. So it's the Conjuring and it now are huge moneymakers. And now, and now we have you know Doctor Sleep coming out, the sequel to The Shining. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean yeah. they they had zero faith in in this film, and they're like, no, nobody wants horror anymore. Blah 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 blah, uh-huh. and. Movie came on home video, flew off the shelf, rentals flew off the shelf, and it proved them wrong. And I mean, literally, in that same year, people were already dressing up at horror conventions and Halloween in make in makeshift Sam costumes. It just caught on so fast. Yeah. And so I, I think that was the official turning point for the horror genre in general and making us realize, okay, some big things are now coming from the genre and sure enough that's what happened in this past decade it, it got a slow start with the first two years mm-hmm. but some of the best movies of the decade also came out in those first two years yeah i mean there's, there's um, some strong ones so what the way we're gonna go listeners is we're gonna go two years per episode uh, this episode for instance we'll do 2010 and 2011 mm-hmm. we'll go over our top five each of the movies that we think were the best from that year these are all personal opinions so you know if your favorite isn't here you know leave a comment or something um that's why we well, got you can always leave a comment on the cult cinema catacombs facebook page or on the twitter account which is these films exist mm-hmm. um you know i mean it, it, if you've got opinions share them yeah, and I love talking horror, and I'd love to see what you guys have to say. Um, we're also going to talk about maybe a movie that we didn't see, either regretfully so or maybe proudly so. <laughs> <laughs> in my well, case, in my case, both of them are regretfully so. I'll say that. So, yeah, and then finally, we'll talk about a movie that um, is a little bit notorious, either personally or uh, for each other, and. Uh, Probably in a way that we don't like. So you have a little fun with the year. Remember some of the worst offerings of the year. Um, yeah, I can't wait to do that. So and I think this is interesting, Roy, because looking at it, I think you and I started becoming friends around 2010. When did we start becoming friends? Because was it? It was. Um... It was when we went to go see Labyrinth, wasn't it? I met you guys at the Labyrinth. You and your husband. Um, at the and end, then there was a notorious yeah. night of a thousand horrors where these people made me watch in order Showgirls, <laughs> The Room, and the non MS3 MS wait, Mystery Science 3000 version of Manos the Hands of Fate. Um, why I still talk to them after that, I still have no idea. <laughs> Torture. <laughs> You know, and all three of those movies are torturous in their own way. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm surprised you survived that. Through. Honestly, I got to see a little bit of something I'll never forget and wish I could. <laughs> I, I can't believe you survived that threesome of films, too. I mean, that was just, it was not my intention to show you Manos that night. That was Chris's intention. So, oh, Chris adores that film. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, funnily, I do own the soundtrack on vinyl because I kind of like some of those songs. <laughs> so I think this is not only a decade of horror, but a decade of our friendship, right? Yeah, pretty and much. All the peaks and valleys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so shall we dive into 2010? 
2010. Yes. Let's start. Should we go uh, one at a time? Like number five. Yeah, I guess we start at number five and then work our way from there. Yeah. Then do the you one that we first. Okay. Uh, well, my pick for number five uh, in the year 2010 is actually Piranha 3D. Um, <laughs> Alexandra Audra's uh, remake. And what's funny is is that Piranha. It started off as a ripoff in the seven. It was a it was a ripoff to Jaws in the seventies. It was a successful ripoff. Um, I mean, it, it did terrify people from wanting to go into lakes and everything because they thought the piranha were in there. Um, then there was like a remake in the nineties and a remake in the two thousands, and then Alexander, the spawn. yeah, piranha the spawn was it? Is that what it was? Oh, the oh the sequel. Oh, oh, the sequel was the spawning. With, yeah, the spawning. Yes. Yeah. Um, directed by James Cameron out of all people. <laughs> but then uh, Alexander Aja came up with the clever idea of um, taking the concept behind Piranha and purposely making it a horror comedy and just going outrageous and over the top with the 3D. I, I like I love the scene where the Piranha kills one of the people and you see her skeleton, you know, her eaten skeleton floating in the water along with her breast implants. And it just the film was very tongue in cheek. The acting, the the actors were having a blast in this movie, and because it wasn't treated seriously, I had an absolute blast with it. Also, and, and any chance to see Christopher Lloyd go back into kind of a um, a um, Back to the Future mode, like he did in this film, I'm all for it. Um, so that's my pick for number five: is Piranha 3D. Funnily, you know, not funnily, I don't think that's a word. I'm here making up words. Sorry. Uh, that's a very 2010 thing to do. Um, mm. <laughs> uh, Piranha 3D is my number five choice. Well. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, what I remember most about Piranha is I just had a damn good time at the movie theater. Uh, I went with my best friend and not knowing what to expect, knowing that this was the director of uh, High Tension. Mm -hmm. So I knew... I, I knew Aja liked uh, extremes and uh, little did I know he actually had a sense of humor with him. And, you know, when was the last time you paid for a movie with, with uh, what's his name? Connolly. Is that his name? Oh, uh, O'Connell, Jerry O'Connell. When was the last time you saw Jerry O'Connell and paid for a movie with <laughs> on him? Purpose, on, on purpose, Scream 2, actually. That was <laughs> <laughs> True. So, you know, horror's been good to Jerry. Horror's been good to him. Um, the movie is just a lot of fun. I'm not going to say I've seen it a million times since then. Uh, and I do think it's a testament that 2010 is not the strongest year. But if Piranha's in it, I say it's a good movie. It's fun. Um, the 3D effects were actually worth it. Mm -hmm. uh, and, it, you know, just a good time at the theater. Just a good time at the theater. If you like, you know, a lot of gore and people being eaten by Piranha. Mm. And of course, there, there's always the floating penis in 3D scene. How can you mention Piranha 3D and not the floating penis? I mean, I think that's what everyone thinks at first when I think of Piranha 3D. Not just the floating penis, but the fact that the piranha swims by, eats it, and then spits it out. <laughs> <laughs> Is this a movie you've revisited since then? Yeah, I, I have actually not. I, I actually revisited it because I'm going, okay, is this thing still funny? And oh god, yes, it still is. I, I wish that the Meg was more like Piranha 3D. The, the Meg wanted to be, I think, like 
Piranha 3D meets Jaws, and unfortunately, it's not. I've heard the books are a lot better, but... But it was more um, Jason Statham being a Marvel superhero yeah. in the movie. And, uh, yeah, that's not what, really what I wanted from that Yeah, movie. even Jason Statham was disappointed with that film turned out, so that tells you something. Yeah, it's usually like, well, that was it. It wasn't that enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's your number four pick? My number four is, like you said, at the, for, the, for number five and number four, I was kind of, okay, what, who's it going to be? But I actually like this film series a lot. I think it uh, definitely... Um, the series is definitely made by someone who loves the 80s slashers. Mm -hmm. And it is Hatchet 2. Ah, um, okay. Hatchet 2, I think, is where things got really interesting with the franchise. Uh, Tony Todd is in it with that phenomenal death scene that he has that I couldn't believe I saw with my eyes. Um, oh, massive spoilers, everyone. We're probably going to be talking <laughs> about these movies. But uh, Tony Todd gets skinned alive. And I was just like, wow, did... I really just see that? Yeah, I, I did. I did. Um, well, the thing with the Hatchet series... know then that it also had another... I wasn't as familiar with the genre as I am now, but uh, it was also... Uh, now that I need to know the names, I'm drawing blanks. Um, our Girl from Halloween 4. Uh, oh, um, God. Chris, what's her name? Who? The Girl from Halloween 4, Jamie Lloyd. Uh, Daniel Harris. Daniel Harris. Danielle Harris is in it um, and would be in the next sequel as well, mm -hmm. being a, a great protagonist. Um, I think it's just a good movie. It's fun. All the Hatchet movies to me are fun. Well, the, one um, of the big things about the Hatchet movies is there's always that one kill that makes your jaw drop and go, oh, my God. And, yeah, Tony Todd was Hatchet 2's kill for that, the oh, my God kill. Um, yeah. I mean, even continued into the fourth film, Victor Crawley, and and and, uh, and I'm not going to reveal how that death was. From the beginning, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the beginning of it had uh, the first one had some amazing kills. I mean, one you've he, never like, seen Sabu before. Two. <laughs> yeah, there, I mean, it was unique. It had some kills. It, it looked like that these were kills that. Um, oh God, what's his face? Uh, who played Victor Crowley? Um, mm -hmm. Um, these, it looks like he, these were kills he wanted to do when he was Jason, but never got around to do it. Yeah, so, Kane Hodder. Any, yeah. any movie to bring Kane Kane back in a kick-ass role, I'm fine with, mm -hmm. and that gave him like at least a new film series that he could be doing what he does best, and that's murdering everybody. Yeah. Now the funny part is, is that my number four pick is from the same director. But a different movie. Um, my pick for number four is Frozen, and not to be oh, wow. not to be confused with the Disney movie. Uh, do you want to build a snowman? <laughs> do you want to build a snowman? Is no, I think I want to build. A, I, I think if I was one of the three people in this movie, I would want to build a way to get the fuck out of that situation. Um, <laughs> Frozen, I the the um, Adam Green version of Frozen, I think is a very underrated movie. Um, I mean, this, this did come come out the same year as Hatchet, and I mean, with this one, the the general premise is it's about these three college kids who go to um, a ski lodge and they manage to um, bribe a ski lift operator to do one last run when they're not supposed to because the lodge is shutting down due to an incoming storm, 
and uh, he forgets that they're up there and everything gets turned off and they're trapped on top of the ski lift with no way of being able to get down with the storm bearing down on them. And, oh, it just so happens that there are killer wolves circling around them waiting to eat them. Uh, so so the whole thing is a fight for survival horror film for uh, the three of them. And it's very intense. It's very nerve-wracking. Um, scene, the scene where the skin is freezing on the metal is very... It's like, ow, when you see the skin ripping off. Um, and it was interesting to see um, a horror film of something that could actually happen uh and that's what made it a little visceral and got under my skin a lot with me and even when i met adam green i told him that it's it and to this day it's still my personal favorite film that he made um and i never forgot frozen so yeah that's definitely number four for me yeah that's a movie that has definitely stood the test of time mm -hmm. i feel like it's it's growing in popularity more and more people still want to talk about frozen all right. Well, what going back to you, what mm -hmm. would be number three for you? I had a hard time trying to decide between my top three, to be honest with you, because I love all... Same. I had, my I, top three were some of my favorite movies. I love all three equally, but I had to think of how... You know how much they've impacted me and everything else. So I basically had to play a Sophie's Choice in some you know cases. What impacts me? Do you want to know what impacts me? Oh dear lord! Too what much impacts him? Too much cheese. <sighs> Anywho, uh, there you go. <laughs> That's its own horror movie. Yes, um, I wound up picking for number three, Insidious. Oh wow! Okay, tell me more. Yeah. So what I, I have a feeling our top three might very well be the same damn three movies, just in a different order. But we will see. Um, I went with Insidious. I, Insidious, to me, what I loved about the movie Insidious was it was the film equivalent to walking through a Universal Horror Nights haunted house. Um, it was... It had all the right scares. It had... It, I mean, it, it had its jump scares in there, but it was very clever jump scares. Um, it, it, everything was just very creepy. You had evil Darth Maul like looking demon in that. I mean, that's that that jump scene alone still is terrifying as hell. Decade, probably, probably. Um, and thanks to Insidious, I cannot listen to Tiptoe Through the Tulips by Tiny Tim the same way ever again. That movie has ruined that song because every time I hear it now, I'm expecting to see some Darth Maul looking son of a bitch coming out there to kill me. Oh, and yeah, that's what ruined that song with the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and then plus also it gave Lynn Shay, who I absolutely love, Thank a chance you. to shine. And she had such a hell of a character in that movie. And yeah, I would just, I, I, I mean, I think that the, the 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 series has kind of declined in quality with each film that has come out, but the very first Insidious movie is still a great film, and yeah, uh, that wound up being my number three choice. What about you? Uh, like you, I could to say. I mean, I felt like this is the only order I could put them in. But all three movies, even 10 years later, are very near and dear to me. Number three for me is Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Oh, nice. Uh, <laughs> this movie is one of the best horror comedies I have ever seen. It's definitely 
my type of horror comedy. Um, Tyler Labine and Alan Tudyk are amazing uh, in this movie as hillbillies who have just the worst luck in the world. <laughs> but not as bad as the people around them, apparently. Um, great kills, a great story. Um, and just, it was made by, by someone who knew the genre very well and was able to play off all the conventions of the genre and yet the protagonists were not the killers. Mm-hmm. Though you can understand why everyone would think they were. Yeah. Um, I, I will not lie. I have had a crush on Tyler Labine since Reaper. I think that's why I initially saw him in. And he's like hotter than ever. I don't know if you've seen pictures. Um, well, he's, he's kind of he's he's daddied out now. I mean, when he was daddied in, out. When, I mean, he was when in, I found out he was an escape room. Honey. I was going to say, he really daddied out in escape room. So. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So Tyler Levine, I'm a big fan if you're listening. Um, but but that little, you know, chubby hillbilly was just so endearing. And, you know, Alan Tudyk's Alan Tudyk. Yeah. You love him and everything. He's pretty, you know, he's pretty, pretty remarkable. And I think just this movie, I think this is where we were going in horror. Yeah. A movie made by people who knew the genre, who loved the genre, and wanted to do something unique. And respectful. Yeah. And uh, this doesn't make fun of slashers or Cabin in the Wood movies or anything like that. This is definitely made um, by people, who, by someone who loves the genre and is definitely respectful of it. And I just love it. Mm-hmm. I just love it. And I saw it recently again, like I had seen it in a while, and I was like, this is just as good as I remember. We're supposed to be getting a sequel eventually to it, but I think it's all a matter of when is Alan Tudyk going to find time? Because it seems like if he's not doing a voiceover for a Disney movie, he's doing something else. And now he's got the the new Star Wars series where he's playing K2 again for Disney+. Plus. So um, I, who knows when he'll have the time to do anything. We can always hope. Yeah. We can always So, number two, Roy. Well, it's, it's, it's funny that you... Um, <laughs> that you mentioned Tucker and Dale versus Evil because that's my number two choice. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure we have the same top three. <laughs> um, yeah, Tucker and Dale versus Evil is a lot of fun. I, the first time I watched it, I was just laughing so hard with it and having so much fun. I loved how it took the stereotypes of those hillbilly killer horror films and slasher films in the woods and just turned it on its ear. Um, it's hard not to love Tyler Labine in the movie. He's just absolutely adorable. Um, and yeah, everything about his character should have read psycho killer, but he's not the psycho killer. Um, I love the twist of who the psycho killer was. I think that was an excellent twist. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And I felt so bad for Alan Tudyk in the movie because he was like the punching bag in the entire film. I felt so bad for him. Um, but it was it's also a suicide pact. <laughs> I was just like, God, it's Wash all over again in Firefly. But you know. I loved the movie so much. I, I, I mean, just it's a, I, just, I didn't even have to see a trailer or anything. Just when I heard the title, Tucker and Dale versus Evil, I was like, okay, I'm sold on title alone. And yeah, just had an absolute blast with it. It's, it's still fun, and hopefully someday we will get the, the, the sequel that we deserve for Tucker and Tucker and Dale versus Evil because their story's not done. So I agree. I agree. 
What's your choice uh, for number two? Number two. Well, we'll find out right now if we did the same top three because we already have two of the same. Um, it is the Oscar-winning movie Black Swan. Ah. Uh, part of me didn't really want to put this at, as a horror movie um, in some ways because it's so artistic. Uh, Darren Aronofsky uh, is just a fabulous director. Not everything he's done is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, that movie with Hugh Jackman, I remember being in this in the theater and going like, "What the fuck is going on?" <laughs> oh, oh, the fountain, yeah, <laughs> the fountain. Like, yeah, it was one of the most. Yeah, it was. It was that was a weird movie, but Black Swan is amazing. Natalie Portman in one of her best performances of her career, mm-hmm. um, just great in this movie and yet as much i think this was also if tucker and dell versus evil is one of the futures of the genre so was black swan yeah a movie that was artistic and yet used the trappings of the horror convention to make a great movie and yet was steeped in character development Mm -hmm. and uh not cheap which is what everyone thought the genre was yeah um and this was a very popular movie at the time. I think it still is. Uh, oh, it's still very influential. Yeah, I'm still yeah. being. I, mean, I still see people dress up as the Black Swan mm-hmm. for Halloween. Still, ten years yeah. later. So yeah, um, I, I tend to, you know, not only that, but uh, Barbara Hershey's in this. Mila Kunis is in this. Great performances all around. I mean, this was just a movie that I enjoyed the hell out of when it came out, and still enjoy seeing. And um, I mean, I don't know how I could say it wasn't my second favorite movie of this year because uh, I still love it today. Yeah. I mean, it's a damn good movie. You forgot about Winona Ryder. Winona Ryder. I did forget about her. Uh, Shame. Love, love her in Stranger Things. <laughs> so, she, you know, that, this, you know her, her career comeback would, would go full force in a few years, but yeah. she did show up here. She was kind of back in the spotlight with Black Swan, so yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So what's your but pick for number Mila Kunis was also just as good in this movie. One of her best performances, I also think. Um, oh, yeah. This definitely yeah. erased the um, the stench that was American uh, Psycho Part 2 for her, I think, uh, when it comes <laughs> to horror films. Yeah, and, you know, and uh, this was just a – I think this was a movie that just happened and these, these women were in a really good time to make this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, w- it was a, it was good timing for both of them. So, what is your number one choice? Oh, yeah. Oh, because you did your number two yeah. was Tucker and Dale My number one choice is Insidious. Wow. Um, as much as I could say Black Swan is a better movie, and it probably is, Insidious was a movie that I just had so much fun. As you have said, I think as everyone said, it is the haunted house ride of a movie mm-hmm. uh, i remember just having so much fun watching it i think the funniest thing about this movie is when i went to go see it uh you know we ran a little late me and my friend and we missed that first little scene that showed uh you know the woman in white you know scratching at the at the um, window yeah and when you don't see that <clears throat> I think that was even better for us because what they did with that just caught us by surprise because we didn't have anything to kind of expect. 
when you see it, you know that this is something that's going to play a part. But when we saw it, it's almost going in blind. Uh, I tend not to watch trailers, so I just didn't know anything about this movie. I should have known it would be big. I mean, the director is one of the best directors in horror right now, with James Wan. Yeah. He had already, you know, done well with Saw, but uh, this would really start his career in earnest. And look at him now. He just did Aquaman. Yeah. Made a billion dollars worldwide. Um, He's got another horror film coming out. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I, and, you know, and I think this helped him. He's a, he's a master of the genre. He knows how to direct a damn good horror movie. Yeah. He's proved it again and again, not only just with Saw, but um, with starting with Insidious. Uh, and like you said, that is the jump scare of the decade. I think everyone remembers you know, Barbara Hershey screaming and all of us screaming in the audience yeah. as well. It was in broad daylight. Mm-hmm. They did the thing in this movie that you always say to do. Get the, you know, can I kind of curse on the show? Yeah. <laughs> Get the fuck out of the house. Yeah. White people you know? actually got out of the house in this they movie. They left. Yeah. They moved. And it followed them. And I think that, that that's what made this movie like, there's no escaping this. Mm-hmm. Um, again, bringing Lynn Shay to the fore. And starting a great career resurgence for her that's still going on strong. Yeah. And if anyone deserved it, it's her. And uh, I, I will agree with you. The other movies are nowhere near as good as Insidious 1. Um, but I enjoy watching them. Yeah. Uh, some parts have gotten really cringy. <laughs> oh, did you see the last one? I haven't seen the last key yet because <laughs> I was so disappointed with Insidious Chapter 3 that I went... I'll wait till I can either watch it on Netflix or Hulu. Yeah. Insidious Four, the two guys that help her out are just super creeper dudes, and you're just kind of like, "Did you really need to put this in the movie?" Oh. <laughs> but um, you know, think about just what Insidious started—not just you know James Wan, but then you know he'll go on to do other movies starring Patrick Wilson. Um, so he's got a lot to thank for this movie as well. Yeah. Um, where would, I mean, would we have Annabelle if this movie didn't succeed? Yeah. Cause I mean, Patrick Wilson did roles here and there and I, I guess, you know, his biggest role up until this point with that movie would have been the Watchmen, um, mm-hmm. where he played the night owl. But yeah, I mean, but if you don't remember, it's hard to remember that he's in that movie. Yeah. But I, yeah, yeah I, he's now, really known for the, the Conjuring franchise. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, like I said, without this movie, would we have the horror icon that is Annabelle? Would the Conjuring have happened? Um, you know, it's it's kind of amazing what I think this movie led to. Yeah. Because it, since it was so successful, he was able to uh, start doing what he really wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And, now, and now, you know, even doing a big budget comic book movie, that uh, took the world by storm. Yeah. And he actually made a good chapter in the over-the-top, ridiculous Fast and the Furious franchise. So, <laughs> I, yeah, he's just a good director, period. I mean, I'm, I'm impressed with James Wan a lot. When, he's one of those names where when I see his name attached to it, I get excited because he, he's proven himself over and over again mm-hmm. that he's a damn good director. I mean, even... Um, I know that uh, I don't know if he directed Dead Silence or not, but I know that the critics didn't like. Yes, it. he did. He did. he did. I know the critics didn't like Dead Silence, but I I actually liked it, and mm-hmm. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, he's going to be one of those directors. I think that whenever I hear his name attached to a project, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to see this. And I think people forget how good of a movie Saw One was. I yeah. think people forget that it wasn't the you know extreme gore that the others became. Saw One was more about what you thought you saw. Yeah, Saw, saw One was more psychological than the rest of the franchise was. It definitely yeah. was. I mean, the Saw franchise has had its hit and misses. Mm. On a whole, I, I do like the Saw franchise. I was very mm. impressed with Jigsaw when it came out. Yeah. Um, I'm very curious to see what Chris Rock is going to do next year with this movie. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, James Wan is definitely one of those directors I was talking about earlier that has grown up with these famous horror directors and is now making a name for himself as well. Exactly. And I'm pretty sure we might see another movie of his on these lists. Oh perhaps. yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Perhaps. <laughs> All right. What is your number one movie of 2010? My number one went to black Swan. Um, <laughs> and we did. <laughs> um, I think in the future we might have totally different top fives, but not, not, not 2010. Uh, yeah, Black Swan was uh, – to me, I think Black Swan is probably the closest that we got to recreating that whole artistic horror film that existed in the 70s, especially the European horror art films that came out yeah. um, because, I mean, it, it, it technically – would be considered a psychological thriller, but it does have horror elements to it. So you do have to consider it as a horror film, but it's very, very up there with the, the works that came out of Europe during that time. Um, and there is some damn good acting in that movie. I mean, I mean, Natalie Portman just blew me away in that film. I remember going to see that movie and thinking, if she does not win the Oscar, I'm going to riot. Um, and yeah, Mila Kunis, I mean, you talk about a star making role with me, with Mila Kunis. Uh, I mean, people knew her already, but that really sent her to the stratosphere. Barbara Hershey as the, uh, over, overpower the, the, basically the ultimate stage mom who's obsessed with her. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, she was giving me creepy vibes, the creepy French ballet director, I, there's just so much going on. And then when she starts doing the metamorphosis stuff and it starts, it starts going into the body horror element of yes. the film, you know, it's at that point it started getting good kind of Cronenberg esque in the film. Um, and those were just, I remember when those moments were happening, I'm just grabbing the, cushions on my seat going oh my god what the fuck is happening and what the fuck is happening <laughs> and then no then she's just wondering right now what the fuck is happening yeah <laughs> <laughs> but i mean it just was such a well-told movie and then when the plot twist hit at the end i was like oh my god it was a plot twist i was not expecting to see um i mean i kind of figured out one thing but i didn't expect it to resolve the way it did um this was 2010 was also, if you remember, an amazing cast of Best Picture nominees. Oh, yeah. Um, looking at it again, uh, Black Swan, um, Inception, The Social Network, mm -hmm. Toy Story 3, mm -hmm. Winter's Bone, True Grit. Um, and it was 
but of course, King's Speech one uh, doesn't look so great in hindsight, does it? No, it was, a, it was a, it was it was it was a safe win, is what it was. Uh. And if you look at Best Director, to think that Tom Hooper won over Aronofsky and Fincher, yeah, it's like really, really, both of those directed circles around, um, and of course that uh, you know Mister Snub himself. Uh, Christopher Nolan wasn't yeah. even included <laughs> for Inception. Um, but to think that like Aronofsky and Fincher weren't rewarded, Fincher yeah. more. Fincher probably deserved that more than Aronofsky, but that was a damn directed movie. That finale is beautifully, dangerously gorgeous, mm-hmm. and uh, you're at the edge of your seat wondering what's about to happen. Yeah, and, Aronofsky, and knowing it's not going to be good. And Aronofsky's no no stranger to you know terrifying us and getting under our skin and actually dividing oh, us pie. also <laughs> i mean yeah pie uh requiem for a dream which is a damn good movie but i can't which i still it. haven't seen it's one I, of those movies i'm just like uh, <laughs> i don't know when i'm gonna be in the mental space to I, i've seen it once it is a damn good movie i don't think i could bring myself to watch it again though um i don't but you remember it yeah I, oh yeah and remember the same thing with mother chris and i didn't like mother no. but i can't forget the movie that's the thing and and, and oh, that's and i adore mother i adore that's mother. the thing with aronofsky's movies is whether you love his movies or you hate his movies when you watch one of his movies you never forget it and to me whether the whether you like the movie or not that to me is the sign of a damn good movie director is that no matter what he puts out there it's unforgettable mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, and it's interesting that you bring out Mother because as maligned as it is, as much of a bomb as it's seen, everyone knows what you're talking about. Yeah. You say, oh, yeah. You know, not, this isn't a bomb that people are like, oh, yeah, that. No, it's like, oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, um, it's unlike bombs like Troll 2 or something like that. So. Yeah, so, so it's kind of funny. Our first year, and both of us have agreed on four of five. Roy, I didn't even think that was possible. I don't think that was possible either, but four out of the five movies are correct on our first list. Now, the okay. interesting one is going to be the one that you regret missing. Um, what's the one for that me, you, what's the one you me, regret missing? Frozen. 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 I've been wanting to see it for years. It always seems like something gets my attention more than it. And I was going to see it before this list, but I'm like, no, I think for the integrity of this list... I'm going to leave it, and I'm going to say I need to see this movie. Um, yeah, you do. I mean, I think it was definitely released after the open water era where, you know, a few movies came out that were about these, you know, trapped in real-life scenario situations. But mm-hmm. Frozen seems to have gotten a much better reputation than any of those movies. And um, I want to see what it's about. Because you could definitely see yourself in that situation. So why shouldn't I have seen it by now? Yeah. Mine is Rare Exports. Yes, that's the other yeah. one for me. Yeah, I have not seen Rare Exports yet. I regret not seeing Rare Exports yet. I've heard it's really good. I mean, it's a movie that re- basically relaunched the idea of making Christmas-themed horror again. Exactly. Um, you know, that was, and we got some good movies because of that. Yeah, and I've not seen Rare Exports yet. I don't. I, I remember it being on Netflix for a while, and I had it in my Netflix queue, but it's not on Netflix anymore. And I regret not watching it when I had a chance. Hopefully, it'll come back on a streaming service sometime soon, and I can finally sit down and watch it. But I've heard so many good things about it. Um, eventually, someday, I will see it. Yeah. Okay. For my notorious pick. <laughs> 
It has a special meaning for my relationship with you, Roy. Oh, dear. Uh, I think I know what it is. I think I know what it is. So I forgot. I, I, I had, like, forgotten about this movie. And then, of course, Wikipedia had a entry. I'd like to think you added it to the list because I don't know who else would have seen it. It's a porn named L.A. Zombie. I knew it! I knew it. <laughs> be the most amazing movie to watch as a group. Uh, if I did, if I was mad at him for the threesome of terror that he subjected to me to after ten o'clock at night, I could just punch him for Ellie Zombie. I think that would be the only thing I have to say. I um, still own it, believe it or not. I, I, I think it's because I'm afraid I don't to know attempt. How you to... found it, believe it or not. I'm believe you paid forty bucks for it. <laughs> I'm afraid I don't think anybody would buy it used. That's the thing. And if, if, listeners, if you're wondering what a zombie porn would be like, uh, it's not sexy. No. Uh, uh, well, it is technically labeled as a horror film. That's the thing. Is that and it, it is? A, I would say it is a body horror film that perhaps even Cronenberg could be proud of. But um, no. Yeah, no, I, think, I, I don't know. Would Cronenberg have a scene where somebody's sticking their dick in a heart to bring it back to life? You know, I'm not even sure he's not up for that. Uh, I don't know how he made it through it. Um, you know, I no. <laughs> no. So if, if someone said, like, rank your five worst moments with Roy, like, like I can't believe you did that. I think that would be number one. Show me that um, and I, I can't believe I saved for the whole thing, yeah. but, uh, not recommended people, but if you go find it, think of Roy when you see it, I'm sure he'd be happy. <laughs> now, my notorious movie is one that if you are a fan of like, so bad that they're hilarious movies that I would recommend it. But if you're not a fan of those type of movies, then stay away from it. Uh, but my choice is Birdemic Shock and Terror. Um, is that the sequel? No, that's the first one. Oh God! Well, I, I don't know how you didn't show that to me that year. <laughs> I learned my lesson. <laughs> I've learned my lesson. Let's just say that. Uh, Birdemic, Shock and Terror um, is a lazy attempt at remaking the birds, and um, it's, with Windows ninety five graphics. Yeah, with Windows ninety five graphic special effects. And I mean, the thing is, is that when the bird attack begins, it it's not subtle and slowly creeping in like it is in Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. It's body slammed into the movie because the first half of the movie is about a guy selling solar panels, having a, a, a you know falling in love with this model um, who apparently does her modeling at, at a Chinese restaurant in a strip mall. Um, and they, let's not forget her mother. Let's not forget her mother. Oh, and her mother, who apparently I'll never forget when we went to go to the midnight screening of this movie and we saw it. Her mom is is very zoftig and ha has to be in like one of those little mobile cart things. And it's the scene where they're getting to know each other. And the solar panel salesman asks her, so what do you like? She goes, oh, well, I like... And then suddenly someone in the back of the audience went, cake? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know. <laughs> we just... We were laughing so hard. What? Uh, but, um, 
Yeah, I mean, Bert Demick, I, 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 I get the giggle snorts when I watch Bert Demick because it's just so horribly bad. Uh, the sequel is not as fun as the first one. I mean, it does have its moments, but it, it tries too hard to recreate what Bert the Demick magic. had. You can't, you you can't, can't recreate that magic, recreate the magic. Yeah, and you can't do yeah. that. I would, I would like a sequel where the mom from The Room... And the mom from Birdemic Jesus. Uh, go to the oncologist or something because you know the mom from the room has breast. She definitely has breast cancer. <laughs> Is that the line? I, I definitely have breast cancer. <laughs> we definitely don't ever talk about it again, but she definitely <laughs> has it. Um, I would like to think they would make good friends. They'd probably hate each other, but they'd, but they'd be, be frenemies. Yeah, over their thick and thin, and they have weird daughters. What can mm-hmm. I say? Uh, uh, yeah, what a year 2010 was. Yeah, that, yeah 20, that's 2010. 2011... Wait, was, wait, one more thing that I have to... I think needs to be mentioned. Okay. Both John Carpenter and Wes Craven had a movie in 2010. And they didn't go over well either. Um, and they wore The Ward mm-hmm. and My Soul to Take. And um, they, they're both considered one of the... Wor- uh, for them, some of the worst films... In, there is a reason we did yeah. not include them in our top five list. Well, for the ward, uh, I, I, the, John Carpenter hasn't made a movie since the ward, actually, <laughs> and um, I mean with Wes Craven, my soul to take. Oh God, I, I I did see that, and I regret seeing it because I saw it recently, like last month. Yeah, it's not that good. Um, uh, the thing I I remember about the ward is I can't remember. Which movie that is, and which movie Sucker Punch is? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. And with my soul to take, I respect that he was trying to give us something brand new. Because, yeah, but it doesn't work. Sorry. Yeah. Thank God you made up for it the next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Speaking uh, of which, 2011. Um, oh yes, my. Our, I think this will be our favorite year. <laughs> Let's face How it. How hard was it for you to make a top five? For it was. It was. It was not too bad. I was just. I was taking a look. I will say that one movie that didn't make my top ten. I guess you could Before say. Before we start, can we take a break? Oh yeah, sure. Like we, we could take a pause here. Okay, and we're back. We I'm are eating bacon. bacon. <laughs> I'm eating bacon. Producer Chris is eating bacon. Oh, Chris! I wish I had some. I wish I had your bacon right now. <laughs> Many have. <laughs> so the film that I was going to mention, because I, I like the film, but it wasn't strong enough to enter in my top five. Um, I was going to mention is Grave Encounters. Um, you know what? That I was struggling with that one myself. Because, I mean, the found footage genre does have that reputation, and that reputation is that it can be seen by many as a lazy form of horror filmmaking. But the thing is, is that when it's done right, it's a damn good way to tell a story. And yes. I, mean, I liked elements of Grave Encounters, but when it comes to some of the other great found footage movies out there from when it comes to horror, it's not up there with them, unfortunately. Yeah. And I think some better ones would come out in the next few years. Um, oh, yeah, Definitely. Paranormal Activity restarted the found footage that that Blair Witch never really did. Yeah, and um, this one was a good try. I, mm-hmm. I will agree with you. It was a good try, and I remember enjoying it. And I haven't thought about it much since. Yeah. So who wants to start with their list first for 2011? Uh, you first. 
Well, it's funny that you mentioned paranormal activity because number five is paranormal activity number three for me. Yes. Okay. Um, the paranormal activity franchise overall, I like it. There's only two entries in the franchise I don't like, and that's part four in the last film. Um, mm -hmm. But part one in the last film by a mile, don't like. Yeah. I agree with you there. Uh, but it's not going to be in my top five that year. <laughs> but uh, part one, part two, part three, and then the kind of like the side story one that they did the uh, with the Mexican I mean, the family. <laughs> Those ones I liked, but but yeah, Paranormal Activity three. What I liked about it was that, that we went back in time and we finally got some answers. Uh -huh. um, there is some genuinely scary moments in the movie, uh, in particular the, the the ghost sheet sequence with the babysitter. Mm -hmm. Um, that was terrifying. I, I, I was in a like little ball of terror during that sequence, especially when the, the, the cloak dropped. Um, yeah. and you know, we finally found out the truth. Honestly, I think the franchise could have ended at part three because we finally had answers. Yes. I, I mean, there were still a couple of unanswered questions, but honestly, I would have been fine without those questions being answered. But they had to go on and explain more and more and more and more. But for me, I, I, I think the last of the, of the best of that series is definitely Paranormal Activity Part 3. Yeah. Uh, good movie. Good movie. I would agree with you there. What's your choice for number five? My choice for number five, I, I, I will not lie, this year was a little hard uh, for me. Um I didn't see a good number of movies from this year, mm -hmm. and honestly, they're not it. Most of them are movies I'm not going to rush to go see. Uh, a lot of um, a lot of these movies were on streaming services or something. That's how you saw them. That's how you found out about them. Yeah. And there is one that I saw called uh, The Caller that I didn't see when it came out. I waited a little bit longer. But um, have you heard of this? Have you seen this movie? Which one is it? The Caller. No, I have not. It's one that plays with interesting time travel aspects. Uh, a troubled divorcee is in a new apartment. She finds an old telephone, which she loves. She's like me, hipster at heart. <laughs> um, but she gets phone calls from an unknown caller, and she realizes that... This person's in the past and can affect her future in very ugly ways. Um, hmm. I like the uniqueness of it. Uh, think about that movie with Dennis Quaid and mm -hmm. uh, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but much more sinister. Okay, yeah, because I love Frequency. It's one of my yeah. favorite films of, of the last of, of the 2000s, actually. I really yeah. love that movie. So, so think Frequency... Uh, but in the hands of a much more evil-intended person. Hmm. Um, I won't say this is the best movie of all time. If I saw it again, I may not enjoy it. But when I was looking at this list, uh, I liked it. I liked it. And, okay. I, and I think it's worth a watch. It's one of those movies you can watch on a Saturday, Sunday afternoon and say, you know what, that wasn't that bad. Okay. That's how week 2011 was to me. <laughs> <laughs> What's your pick for number four? Number four, um, this is yet another movie, low budget, um, saw it on a streaming service, took me a while to see it on a streaming service, and then I realized 
that the director of this movie went on to much bigger and better things. It's Absentia. Directed ah, by I Mike haven't Flanagan. seen that one yet. Yeah. Uh, did you see this one? I have not seen this one yet. No. Yeah. This one surprised me and micro budget. I would have to think this could not have been made based on Wikipedia. Um, it was partly funded by crowdfunding through Kickstarter. Um, Which became a very big trend in the 2010s was Kickstarter movies like this. Yeah. This was not a movie that looks expensive. However, Mike Flanagan knew how to direct back then. Um, and it was, I really enjoy it. Uh, I'm not sure what I think about if I saw it again, but, um, I will remember it. And I do remember it years later. I think it was such a good, uh, concept. The concept is that, uh, a woman is has been missing her husband for many years, and she's ready to declare him dead in absentia. Her sister comes to visit, and they start finding out the truth about what has happened. And uh, Mike Flanagan goes some places with this movie. Um, the ending is wicked and twisted. Uh, and I think it showed it skill as a director, and he would go on, especially starting with Gerald's Game, to really make a name for himself. And uh, well, yeah, now I mean, with he's done some great on Hill and Dr. Sleep. I think, like James Wan, firmly established as yeah. one of the better directors of this decade. I mean, yeah, he's definitely really established himself. He's had some, you know, great films that have come out, and I have not seen uh, this one yet, and I've heard nothing but good things about <laughs> it. Yeah, uh, I like I said, this is not going to be a huge budget Hollywood movie, um, but. In the early 2000s, I, I remember us getting together for quite a few movies that we saw on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And not in the Gerald's game in the tall grass way today where they're coming with like flash and, you know, trailers. But in the, oh, look, saw that this movie is now on Netflix. Maybe we should give it a try. I, I think say- that's what's really special about the early part of that decade mm-hmm. was – some some movies that might have struggled to find any sort of audience, and some directors who obviously had skill did it. I will say though, this will not be the last time, at least for me, that you're going. I, just to kind of give you a heads up, that you will have seen Mike Flanagan on my list. So, uh, no, yeah, no. He'll, he'll he'll be back a couple of other times. Yeah, and so if you haven't seen it, give it a shot. If you like Mike Flanagan's other movies, I think you definitely need to yeah. do yourself a favor and watch this one. You need to see. Uh, this movie. Yeah, I definitely want to. So, Roy, what is your fourth pick? My fourth pick is another sequel. Um, mm-hmm. It is par- – not, I'm sorry, not Paranormal Activity. We already <laughs> you did that so one. Much, you named it twice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, my fourth choice is Final Destination 5, actually. Um, not, not a bad choice. Not a bad choice. And honestly, I almost didn't see Final Destination 5. Because Final Destination 4 killed the franchise so much for me in its ridiculous... Was that the... Uh, that was the comedy times. one, and the, the one set at NASCAR. And Oh, God, yeah, that, that one isn't... Yeah. And the, this one was a 3D one. Yeah, and, and the fact that... Well, Part 4 was 3D also, and they, they, they went just so bananas with it that it just didn't work for me, and I was ready to give up on the franchise. And then... Um, yeah, I saw the trailer for Final Destination 5, and what got me to go back was I was feeling a vibe from what made me like the franchise to begin with, seeing Tony Todd back 
I was like, mm-hmm. oh, good. They brought Tony Todd's character back and everything. Yeah. And so went to go see it. <clears throat> and I realized things were off during the film. Yes. Uh, yes. Something just didn't feel right. And then when – I'm not going to give away the ending because for those who haven't seen it, it is a great plot twist. It was all a dream. <laughs> Freddy comes out and kills everybody. Yes. But when the plot twist does happen, it's a brilliant plot twist and it yeah. works so well for this film. And it makes you go back and rewatch the movie and all of a sudden you realize, holy crap, here's all the clues. The clues yeah, have been I there the whole time. I talk about the clues because I remember watching this movie and thinking, what? what? Yeah. Why? Someone really wrote that? I, mean, I remember thinking about that several choices. I was just like, well, that's an interesting choice. Then the, and then you're like, oh, well, now I get it. And the thing is, is this movie, I mean, one of the things about this franchise is the, de- the death that death does. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple in this movie that, you know, I still don't <coughs> forget today. I mean, especially the Lasix scene. I, yes. I still don't forget yes. that scene. And, and to me... With the Final Destination scenes, if you never forget the kills, then that's a very good job. I still remember the kills from Part 2 very vividly and yeah. Part 1. Part 3, not so much. Part 4, I don't remember squat about Which it. is the one where they were in a hardware store? That was Part 3. Yeah, with the, with the, okay, with so the I, air I, gun. I, barely, I remember the NASCAR tire in Part 4, and that's about all I remember. Yeah. But, I mean, with the kills in Part 5... And with what was everything that was going on in Part Five and everything else, it 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 got visceral and stuck with me. And then what really stuck with me the most, like I said, is the plot twist ending. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I was very surprised with Final Destination Five, and that that's my choice for number four. What about you? And I would say, well, I did number four already. Um, oh, but that's I right. I would say, if you're getting LASIK, don't take the free teddy bear to go mm-hmm. pub with you. No, don't. <laughs> and maybe not toss your glasses away just in case. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I, funnily, I've known some people gotten LASIK, and they've had some horror stories afterward. Uh, maybe not they fell to their death, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe not as gruesome as this movie, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, number three, uh, speaking of sequels, mm-hmm. uh, I have one you haven't talked about yet. I am certain you will. But my number three pick is Scream Four. Ah, okay. Um, Scream Chris is nodding his head furiously. Yes, Scream is my yes. favorite franchise. Period. Period. Where does four land in the franchise for you, Christopher? Um, number four is my second favorite in the franchise. Awesome. Put your first. The first one. Yeah. It's, Scream. It's one. It's one four. Two and three. Yeah, uh, I, I think that I think that would be the consensus that that's the way it goes. Um, Scream Four really did a good job of making you want to see Sydney in this role all over again. Yeah. Um, it could have gotten very old hat by now um, with Dewey and with Gale and with you know um, Sydney. And in, in some ways, it's going to play out like a screen movie. But this one did a good job of introducing some really good characters. Uh, this one had the cheerleader um, from, what's her name? From, you know, save the cheerleader, save the world. Yeah, uh, I know who you mean. 
Yeah, a great role. Uh, Macaulay Culkin's brother was in it. Great role. I, sh- I should know their names. I feel really bad right now. <laughs> but uh, this one had a great cast of characters. Let's not forget the Anna Paquin, Kristen Bell little intro that I just love to death. Oh, that was so much fun. I yeah. Mean, I mean, g- give me Anna Paquin any day, and I just, you know, I love her. I love her. Well, that and, whole um, introduction with showing how many sequels Stab had was hilarious. Yeah. Because the, the the they're letting you know the world has gone on, and this film series has the stab film series has definitely gone on as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I really I really did enjoy this movie. I saw it again recently, and uh, thank you for bringing Emma Roberts to us. Scream for oh, yeah. um, she has milked that bitch role um, for all it's worth, and I am loving it. Uh, she was definitely one of the standouts for from that movie for me and you know her little twist you were just like what she's great she's great um and i and i love that movie for that aspect mm-hmm. what how, how about you what is your number three minus scream four also <laughs> um yeah. yeah i mean i will defend scream four to its death i know that there's people out there that's not too crazy about it but i will defend the movie to my death um I love what they did with Scream 4. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope someday that they could get and then find the footage that Wes Craven had to trim out of it to avoid an NC-17 rating because I know that the first kill and the aftermath sequences they had to trim because it was just so graphic. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, I mean, I loved what they did with it. I loved that it kept the tongue-in-cheek style that the franchise had, especially since they were going after the whole reboot thing. Um, which honestly needed to be done after what happened in the 2010s. Um, I'm not the 2010s, I'm sorry, but the 2000s, because as we mentioned earlier in the episode, the 2000s was all about the rebooting of the horror franchises and the remakes and everything. So it had it coming. Um, It it, did. It was interesting to see our three main characters, what's happened to them since then. Um you know, with uh, with Dewey and Gail drifting apart from each other, and um, with uh, Sydney now going on a book tour and everything, and I to go back home, and then all of a sudden have this happen all over again, and it kind of almost make it look like Sydney may be the suspect is an interesting twist. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of lots of suspenseful moments in this film. Um, was not expecting the twist with Emma Roberts at all. Yeah. I, I kind of knew of Emma Roberts before this movie. I, I knew her as basically Nancy Drew um, when, they, <laughs> when they did the Nancy Drew movie. And I knew that she was Eric Roberts' daughter and everything. But this movie really put her on my radar. And she's gone on to do some incredible acting herself. I not only, you know, playing the perfect bitch role in like Scream Queens and American Horror Story and stuff, but um the movie Nerve, I absolutely loved that movie with her. Uh and she's just I'll have a, to look that one up. Yeah, and she's just a great actress altogether. And now seeing her in this season's of American Horror Story playing against what she's done in the past, I mean, yeah, she's definitely taken. Yeah, she's definitely taken that family legacy uh, with Eric and Julia, and is running for it. And 
just that whole scene, the plot twist scene, and with what she does in that sequence, uh, my jaw was agape the whole entire time. Yep. And I just couldn't believe what I was witnessing. I, I, I had not been that shocked by a plot twist in this franchise since part two, actually. And... and- I, I was just—it was just an, um, amazing, and that was one of the things that made Scream Four really stick out in my brain was that plot twist. I would say this movie um, had characters you cared about. Yeah, uh, Hayden Panettiere. She's she's kind of like gotten a cult following of her own. Her character in this movie. Well, I was she's loving her Bridget Nielsen. Can identify with. I was loving her Bridget Nielsen hairdo in the movie. Yeah. I just thought that was it, great. It made her look a little bit too old for high school, but. <laughs> But, you know, you love her in that movie and hate what happens to her. Yeah. Um, well, even, and, but even, I think that's a mark of a great movie. You don't want to see these characters die. No. And they even got away with making fun of the found footage genre a little bit as well when Gail yeah. set up the security cameras. I thought that was a great way to work that element into it also. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, 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 like I said, I will defend Scream 4 to, this, to my dying breath. I think it's a great film. Exactly. So we both had it at number three. We both agreed on number three. Now let's see if we agree on number two. Um, uh, you first. You're talking about movies that you see on streaming services and everything, and that's how I discovered this film. Um, my choice for number two uh, is Your Next. Oh, interesting. <clears throat> um, I loved how Your Next took the whole home invasion uh, franchise and really turned it on its ear because this was the first time that I've ever seen where the final girl um, was more powerful than the killers in the movie. Because it's like, you know, here you have your typical home invasion that's going on and everybody's in danger, not realizing that inside this house is a woman who's been trained ever since she was five years old to fight in the apocalypse against killers like this. And is all set, ready to go, and turn this whole entire house into Home Alone on steroids in order yeah. to fight these home invaders. And suddenly the home invaders are having to have to defend their lives against her. It really turned everything that we know about this genre on its ear. Um, I, I, I loved the suspenseful elements of it. I loved the performances by the cast. Um, I, I love the ending, the, the what the fuck look on the faces of the cops. Yes. Uh, that was just, that was a great moment. Um, yeah. yeah, I I was, and you can even ask Chris when I was watching your next, I'm, I was like screaming at the TV in joy while watching it and rooting. I'm like, yeah, kick his ass, you know, throughout the whole thing. Yes. And so, yeah, I absolutely loved your next. Uh, I don't disagree with you. Um, my number two movie is one you've gone over, uh, Paranormal Activity 3. Ah, um, okay. I, I agree with almost all your points. This is one of the highlights of uh, the series and probably the last best movie. Uh, the only one after this that I think is worth any note is actually the one everyone slept on, uh, the marked ones. Mm. Uh, I, I, I affectionately refer to it as the Mexican ones because uh, – <laughs> Well, it was. I mean, it was. I mean, when, when you when you have when you don't have representation, you will grasp for any straw. And here's a movie that gave us all of it. Um, but Paranormal Activity three was good. Uh, the scene I remember the most is when the girls are 
playing in the house and one of them bumps into Toby and she's like, what did I just bump into? It's invisible. <laughs> and then she starts getting lifted by her hair. Um, putting kids in peril. So, uh, obviously works. Um, and I think paranormal activity, uh, was the story we wanted told. Since we find out that they've had a history, you need to show us what we missed. Yeah. Um, I think that's where the series then went wrong is now let's show you stuff you don't care about. Paranormal activity showed us stuff we cared about um, and used a way to show the technology of that time period pretty well. Because, of course, they don't have all the fancy security equipment that they had in the other movies, especially Paranormal Activity 2. Mm-hmm. Um it was a good way to, to believably use that. Um, again, these four movies that I listed, I'm not going to lie to you and say these are my favorite horror movies of all time. Um, I think they're the ones that I like the best out of the choices given. Uh, but Paranormal Activity 3 and Scream 4 are definitely movies I enjoy. Yeah. So what is your choice for number one of 2011? A Urinex. <laughs> oh, really? Think, <laughs> yes. I think your next is again, three of these movies were movies. I kind of like discovered on Netflix mm-hmm. and heard through word of mouth. I didn't see them, any one of them when they first came out, but um, you know, one other thing, here's another movie by a director that came to do other things at Wingard um, and definitely came out with some good movies in that decade, uh, including kind of the underrated Blair, Witch. Mm-hmm. uh, I don't think it's like a travesty that the Blair Witch movie isn't bigger than it is. I, I, I don't think it's the best movie of all time, but it was a good movie. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, and the guest, I enjoyed that too. I think mm-hmm. he's made some good movies for the decade. I don't think he's as good as um, some other directors and has definitely not made one bigger than this movie, but this one's good. This yeah. one's good. Um, and also what a stellar cast because this did uh, bring us Barbara Crampton in a role again. Yeah. And kind of kind of like Lynn Shea, it looked like this movie springboarded her into getting reinvolved in the genre and to really start getting in more movies and taking control of uh, her legacy in the genre. I mean, yeah, to the point where she's where she's making a, a more feminist approached remake of Castle Freak now, uh, yeah. one of her more notorious movies that she made during her uh, earlier career, um, <clears throat> which let's face it is a very misogynistic film. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean it's 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 always great to see Barbara Crampton back in a horror film. So yeah, and you know this this was a movie that uh, that felt like horrors back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like here's a final girl with a nice modern twist and not in the, Oh look, she somehow was able to figure out how to beat the big bad guy. She was definitely, uh, ready to go. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I like that that was part of the plot that she took everyone by surprise. They're like, Oh wow. We weren't, expecting this from her this has ruined our big plans <laughs> yeah um and it also i mean let's face it those masks are iconic now so oh, yeah i mean i still see those in halloween shops all over the place along with the the purge masks so yeah 
Yeah, so I, I really think as much as this might not have been the strongest year, you definitely see seeds to where the future of the genre were going. And in, in these two years, 2010 and 2011, the major players are starting to make, you know, a, you know, take notice. Hey, we're about to do some pretty cool shit this year, this decade. Mm-hmm. And what was your number one movie? My number one movie, I'm actually shocked to see, was not um, on your list, actually. Um, oh, I can't wait to hear what it is. <laughs> uh, my choice for number one movie of 2011 uh, for horror film was Cabin in the Woods. Wait a minute, was that really 2011? That was 2011, yeah. Because I was looking, I didn't see it on any list. Let me see. Yeah, I double-checked, and yeah, it was Cabin in the Woods came out in 2011. <laughs> Cabin in the Woods came out 2011. How did it not get on that list? <laughs> okay, guys, do over. <laughs> um, yeah, my, my choice was Cabin in the Woods. Um, oh, wait, it says it was a 2012 horror comedy. Oh, I um, remember seeing it in 2011. Let me see. Well, what it was originally wrong? Slated, go ahead. And I'll read this while you're doing that. Well, so well, then one of us is wrong. Well, the film wrong. premiered in March 9th, 2012 at South by Southwest in Austin, Texas. Okay, then I have to uh, then do some reshuffling then. So I will cut, stop, no. the whole thing over <laughs> Spoiler again. Alert for no. next year. <laughs> okay, so then in that case, I will move your next to number one, move everything down, and taking over the number five spot is Grave Encounters. So for wow. me, so for me, it would be Grave Encounters, Paranormal Activity Three, Final Destination Five, Scream Four, and ending with your next. So your next would be my choice then for number one um, of the of, and we've already talked about what we've liked about that. But I guess that is, I mean, depending on what else it's up against in, in 2012, that's kind of a hint to our next episode. Then is a strong contender for number one movie in any year. Yeah. So. <laughs> Spoiler alert! All right. So anyway, that's yeah. So your hey, well, that's a little bit more than I expected. We shared three movies in common, two sequels, and uh, we agreed. And a number one movie. Yeah, and we agreed on the number one movie. You're next. So, what is the movie you regret missing in that year? There is a movie again. One of these movies that is kind of like the streaming movies that Netflix had a plethora of. Not so much anymore, and I'm kind of longing for those days again. Or everything on it was like an indie movie. You remember that time, right? Oh, yeah. And you're just like, what do I want to watch now of all these movies? And a lot of them are really good. Um, I know it's not, I, last time I checked, it was on Amazon. I just haven't gotten the chance. It's called Kill List. Um, oh, I've heard of that one. Yeah, I've not seen and, that. Like, And I will tell you, I try to keep spoilers to a minimum. So I do, I've never watched a trailer. I've just heard over and over again, this is a good movie. It's about a hitman who has uh, botched a job and things happen afterward. How a hitman is then put into horror, I don't know yet, but I feel like this is a movie I need to see. And especially if you've seen what I chose, I, I have an affinity for these smaller movies um, that uh, not ever, that didn't get the uh, 3,000, 4,000 screens that uh, other movies get. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm... Like Frozen, I need to correct this. I've been meaning to see it for years. How about yours? Mine is Troll Hunter. Um, oh, yeah, and I have, I have seen that. I have Another not, movie that fits right in with these. I have not seen Troll Hunter yet. I know it's still available on streaming services, so eventually I'm going to sit down and watch Troll Hunter. 
Um, I've, I've heard it's not that bad of a film. I mean, it's a low budget horror film. Um, I've, I've, I've had people who, when I tell them I haven't seen Troll Hunter, they kind of look at me weird. <laughs> so, uh, I guess I'm going to have to eventually sit down and watch Troll Hunter. Um, but, uh, yeah, that would be the one that I, I missed. I mean, I know it was an art house film when it was released and now it's all over streaming services, but yeah, if I have it's, to pick one, it's that. It's not a favorite movie of mine. However, I'm just not really a fan of that type of genre. How I would say they did stuff. I, it was kind of great to see what they did on their budget. It uh-huh. was pretty remarkable. Pretty remarkable. All right. Our notorious movie. Um, you go first. Okay. You know what? When it comes to a notorious movie being released in 2011, I mean, we've had a couple of films that came out that, that year that uh, should not have been done, like um, the prequel to The Thing. Um, should have been it, – it, it could have been a good movie, but it was just not that great. Uh-huh. Um, critics went nuts over the remake of Fright Night, but audiences really didn't care for it. Yeah. However, I mean, those almost became my 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 wild card. What the fuck film? But but 2011 will be the year of the Human Centipede Part Two. Full sequence. Oh, and and yes. Um, a little thing about the Human Centipede. Um, <laughs> the first one, I will admit, when the first Human Centipede. <laughs> that pretty much yeah, yeah i agree with oh, i remember when i first heard the concept for the very first human centipede movie it was the concept was terrifying and yes. i'm going oh my god i don't know if i'm ready for this movie and i watched it an interesting trailer um lots of outrage and controversy and I'm going to guess you're going to say, and then you see you're like, all that for this. Yeah, it was very much tactical misdirection. It was, the movie was un, unintentionally hilarious, um, mm-hmm. very poorly acted. Uh, South Park made fun of it perfectly uh, mm-hmm. when they did the human sentipad episode. <laughs> um, but it was such a huge hit that a sequel came out. And my thing, I mean, I know that there was much gnashing of teeth with everything that happened in the sequel. And when I finally sat down and said, okay, fuck it, I'm going to watch the sequel despite hearing everything that happens in this film. I remember you telling me about this very well. The, the thing is, is that it went so far to offend, outrage, and disgust people that it was so over the top in what it was doing that I became numb to it. Mm-hmm. And to the point where I was rolling my eyes so many times during this film. I mean, that's how I felt about Sausage Party. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're like, okay, one of the, the most notorious scenes in the movie is when one of the, mem- what is one of the segments is getting away. And it's a pregnant woman. And. She's in such a state of hysteria that she doesn't realize that she's giving birth. And when she gives birth, her, her, her newly born child gets under the gas pedal. And when she slams on the gas to get away, crushes her newborn baby. Now, normally, that's just a terrible sick. That's a sick, sick, disgusting idea. <laughs> the way it plays off in the movie, what makes it just get 
comical is the fact that you the sound that is made when the baby comes out is a type of a sound. And it's very cartoonish, and mm -hmm. it's it's so obvious that the fake that the baby is fake, despite being in black and white. And it just it just is so ridiculous in its idea that you just sit there and when it happens you go oh for crying out loud and out of everything that is just bad about the human centipede part two the one thing that is just the worst about it is the poop eating scene um because the whole film is in black and white yeah except for when he um the villain in this movie decides to make the human centipede eat the poop though and the way that they did that is they color enhanced the poop squirting out of the mouths with brown. So you got this black and white sequence going on and brown poop squirting all, all over the place out of the people's mouths. Honestly, that should have been the point I stopped watching the movie. But I carried through to the whole thing was done. And uh, spoiler alert, it turns out that the whole thing is a dream. Um, seriously, the whole thing is a dream. It turned out to be a whole dream at the end. And I'm like, really? Really? You went with that? Okay. And I honestly... Not original. Yeah. I honestly, I almost kicked my TV. I was so mad. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that's probably one of the most notoriously, oh my God, what the fuck films to come out in the 2010s is The Human Centipede Part 2. What about you? Yeah, I could agree. I, I, that's not my pick, but I remember you talking about it. I remember when this movie came out, and... I remember, I have already figured out that Tom Six is a hack. If any of his fans are listening, sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, Human Centipede 1 wasn't remarkable. I mean, I think but the most offensive thing about it, it wasn't offensive, you know? Yeah. Uh, it just, you, you went for, oh, look what I just did. And you're like, yeah, it wasn't that great. And so when you told me about it, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to watch that. That's just, I, I don't need this, this person's desperate need for attention to, to tickle his fancy mm -hmm. and and you know that yeah anyone even talks about it anymore is kind of remarkable because i think for the most part it's been largely forgotten yeah oh uh, no i haven't forgotten you don't forget a scene where you see shit squirting out of the mouths in black and white you don't forget that but like this isn't like i don't know i mean maybe i'll be wrong and in 20 years this will be the uh, i spit on your grave of the era but uh or cannibal holocaust, but I just don't think it is. No. You know? Um, my pick, you kind of touched upon it. The, the 20s, the, you know, the aughts, the 2010s, or where we're calling these decades, um, were had many, many remakes. Some surprised and were amazing. We're talking Dawn of the Dead, you know? Mm -hmm. Um Maybe more recently, Child's Play. Yeah. Um, Even the Friday the 13th remake was not that yeah. bad. Chris, who is a staunch Friday the 13th fan, yeah. even he surprisingly liked it. He yeah. didn't hate it. I mean, which would you rather see, Jason Takes Manhattan or the remake? Just just answer that. Oh, the remake, <laughs> the yeah. remake by a landslide. <laughs> I mean, honest, honestly, with part, I mean, the thing with part eight is people remember it because it's like, oh, it's part eight. And you sit down and watch part eight and you're like, oh, this film sucks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's there many of the movies were not as well made as Friday Thirteenth. Mm -hmm. uh, some were shit. Uh, we're talking The Fog. We're talking mm -hmm. Nightmare on Elm Street. We're talking um, 
Prom, Prom Night. Night. The most forgettable <laughs> remake of all time. I was going to say, I'm always going to go to, my first one's always going to be Prom Night. A fog, the Fog and Prom Night have a special place in hell for yeah. everyone involved, yes. Um, and then there's the ones that have just come and gone, some of them with some big wings, and, you know, now a decade later are like, oh yeah, that did happen, right? And I would say that's the thing. Um, yeah. This movie had a lot, uh, unlike all those other ones, if any property had potential to do something, it was the thing. We had a whole group of people. We had a place already set up for us. You just had to tell a good story. Because honestly, it wasn't it was an unanswered question to the original movie, and that is what did actually happen yeah. to this if, team. Yeah. Yeah. If, if any movie needed a sequel, remake, prequel, whatever, the thing could be one. Yes, we it was hollowed ground, um, but you could do it. It makes sense. It wasn't like Dawn of the Dead. Hey, we're going to remake Dawn of the Dead. Why? You know, yeah. I remember that. I'm sure you remember that. Oh, yeah. Why are we making this movie? We're making Child's Play. Why? But we're making a prequel to the thing. It makes sense. This movie has a story that obviously could be told with the right people. Um, these weren't the right people. No. Uh, I think when it came out, a lot of people wanted this to be better than it was. I remember some big friends saying they were so happy to see their questions finally answered, you know? Uh, and yet, when was the last time you heard anyone say anything about this movie? Yeah, really. Um, um, yeah. I think the biggest thing I had against it at the time was we knew this should have been a... What, were they Swedish? Finnish? They were from Switzerland, I believe. Swiss so it yeah. Swedish, yeah. And the top three characters were, oh my god, Americans. Yeah. You know? It was kind of a slap in the face to what I think the story could have been. Um, I think there's better ways to do it without having to import pretty American actors into your movie. Mm -hmm. And that's what, if, if my biggest fault was always that. You know, this story didn't need... You know, these, uh, who was it, uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Angel Egerton to make me care. Yeah. And on top of that, you also, instead of doing, I mean, we there was the footage that came out showing that they were doing practical effects mm -hmm. to make it mirror the other film. But then... Bad CGI. Yeah. Someone at Universal said, no, do it in CGI. It'll save us money. And it was some of the worst CGI I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. You and can we're tell talking, it's rushed. The thing is a landmark of practical effects. That's one of its selling points. And I feel like they had a chance to do something really special. And instead, it was neither great. It was neither bad. I think most of us have forgotten about it. Uh, yeah, I think notorious for being the product of that time. If you're looking at our top two lists from way back here, mm -hmm. most of these movies were not big budget movies. What Scream for would be the biggest? Yeah. Maybe Black Swan, maybe. Uh, Paranormal Activity were micro budget movies. Yeah. Everyone you Paranormal Activity 3 was going to be a big hit because of the previous two, but most of the movies on our list that we have mentioned um, <coughs> 
didn't have the expectations that I think the thing did. Yeah. And this is a movie that could have been something good. And instead it is emblematic of what was wrong in the late two thousands and the early two thousands CGI, you know, um, it's also, it's a prime example of studio meddling also. Yeah. Studio meddling, not a good story, not, not an interesting direction choice. I'm looking about who directed this, uh, Mathis van, Hengigen Jr., um, Dutch filmmaker. Uh, I don't know. Have you heard of Red Rain? No. Oh, he did Witness in 94. No, not that Witness. He <laughs> 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 did Witness? No, that was 1994. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not that this is the most awful movie all the time. I'm sure I could watch it again and be about as entertained as I was. But, um, it was- yeah, I just think this is not worthy of the legacy the movie had. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely not improved with age. No, definitely not. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that would have been my pick had it not been for the fact that I actually watched the human centipede part two. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, the thing, the thing is very disappointing. And I even remember that they, you know, there was such a huge push and promotion for this that they even had a Halloween horror night haunted house at both universal theme parks mm-hmm. for it and um to, yeah there was just such a huge push for yeah. it and it was just basically you know and i do get the credit they did something right i mean they were very faithful in a placement of the acts you know i mean they wanted to say how this happened unfortunately i think they were more interested in connecting a few dots and and then but we got to make this story ready for American audiences. So mm-hmm. let's get some, you know, Joel Edgerton on the phone. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's my pick. Christopher, what do you think of the thing? I'm just curious. I never saw the remake. <laughs> yeah, and then there's that, right? <laughs> yeah, I never bothered. Yeah, he didn't even bother. I watched it one night on Netflix, and he was like, how was it? I was like, you can skip it. Yeah, and Alexa, what do you remember most from that movie? The the only thing I remember the most from the re- from from the prequel to the thing is my only f- favorite part of it, and that was the mid credit sequence that showed the dog running out of the post and then boarding the helicopter to chase after it, which leads to the beginning of John Carpenter's The Thing. That well, was the, you know. That was well, the only know. thing I liked, and I was like, okay, there we go, finally. You know, we have something good in this movie. Do you know what it was missing? Hmm. A cute, bearded Kurt Russell. That's well, it. you know, you could put that in any movie, and I'm already interested. <laughs> he was cute in the original. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. I think that's a pretty good first episode yeah. there, Roy. And so next episode, we're going to be looking at 2012. We got a sneak preview Cabin of me for woods. 2012. Uh, 2012 and 2013 will be our next episode. Um, Let them be better than 2011, please, God. I, 2000, well, for, you've already got Cabin in the Woods, so that says yeah. something right there. But I'm pretty, it, it, I remember it started getting stronger after 2011. So Cabin in the Woods, another movie that was notoriously held back until a certain someone was Thor. Yeah, it was held back to capitalize on Thor. And Joss Whedon, I think, was getting... Was that after Avengers or not? No, this was prior to Avengers. So. But I think it was waiting on... Uh, um, yeah, on Mr. Thor. Chris Helmsworth has become a thing. And you could tell how different they look from Thor, from Cabin of the Thor. He, 
he really doesn't look all that similar. Yeah. All but right, no, well, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I can let you know right now. I'm looking at the movies released in 2012, and it's going to be a better list. Let's just say that. All right, well, I cannot wait. <laughs> and I already know what my what the fuck movie is going to be, and I hope you're ready for a wild and crazy rant on it. That's all I'll say. <laughs> we need a good rant. We need a good rant. The last time you and I went on a rant online was about the Grammys when Katy Perry and <laughs> Taylor Swift were much earlier in their careers. <laughs> all righty. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in to our first episode of this. Again, you can um, follow us through the Cult uh, Cinema Catacombs feed on Twitter with uh, These Films Exist, and also on Facebook as well, just under Cult Cinema Catacombs. And we will be back soon with our looks at 2012 and 2013. Talk to you later. Bye.